0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved.
1: Episode 1142, air date November 4th, 2022. Well, two years ago, a man by the name of Dr. Shiva Ayadora exposed deep collusion between the United States government and social media companies, specifically Twitter went beyond that, though, to YouTube, to Google. And the mainstream media ignored the story. Some independent media picked up on the story like the Gateway Pundit, etc. But no one else really covered the story. At the time, he was running for states. He was running for Senate in the state of Massachusetts, and he tweeted some information that the Secretary of state's office in the state of Massachusetts didn't like. When he tweeted, he was then shut down on Twitter, banned, deplatformed. Well a lawsuit unfolded and what he discovered was deep collusion between government entities and social media companies. with a backdoor portal that allows government employees to basically censor and deplatform anyone they like. This was just the tip of the iceberg. And then of course, more documents unfolded during these court proceedings. And again, the mainstream media largely ignored the story. And then this week we hear from The Intercept, which drops a bombshell story and people start paying attention. And The Intercept published a report detailing a similar portal at Facebook. But Dr. Shiva broke the story first, Two years ago and again the mainstream media largely ignored this story and dr shiva joins us now doctor welcome to the show last night on the show a bunch of our viewers said hey thank you for giving credit to dr shiva for having originally broken this story and we wanted to have you on the show because there's a lot more here to talk about did i get that timeline correct
0: you did uh one of the important things to understand i was, I was running for a federal office for u.s senate not for state senate for u.s senate and this is very important to understand because. There are fundamental laws which were put into place going back to a law called USC 52-20701, which says that for a federal office, the every state is supposed to preserve all documents in connection with the federal election. So the tweet that I did, uh, Clayton was bringing out the malfeasance of the Secretary of State relative to them violating that law. That led, as you just shared, with my deplatforming. One of the important things that occurred was after that deplatforming, I didn't sit still, Clayton. I had to file my own lawsuit. No lawyer in Massachusetts really wanted to take on the government. And I represented myself in federal court. And in the first part of the federal court case, I had a major victory, which again, none of the news media covered on October 30th, 2020. Tucker Carlson knew about it. Mainstream media knew about it. In fact, people at The Intercept were notified and they did nothing. And why was that first lawsuit important? Because in that lawsuit, again, this is in a federal court, myself and the judge cross-examined the social media director at the Secretary of State, and she admitted that they have this portal between government and, in this case, Twitter. And that portal was exercised on me, a U.S. Senate federal candidate, because they didn't like what I was saying. After that, the judge ordered them to put me back on Twitter. When I'm back on Twitter, the second time on February 1st, 2021, I'm again deplatformed because I share the findings of this architecture, okay? That led into the judge saying he wanted Twitter to come into the courtroom. So now it's me against seven lawyers, three from Twitter, three from the Secretary of State, and one from an organization called NASID. The night before that lawsuit hearing in May, I discover what are called playbooks, detail manuals created at Harvard, originally created in Britain, which lay out the actual step-by-step way in how government will surveil US citizens, not only US citizens, for that matter, citizens anywhere in the world, and has a methodology for rating them as high, medium, and low severity, and then de-platforming them and continually surveilling surveilling them. So first, I was de-platformed first for exposing government malfeasance, and then I was watched, and i was i was thrown off because i exposed this architecture now one of the most important things is that what we discovered in the may hearing was the playbooks and the entire details of the technology architecture between government and facebook twitter and youtube the players involved the manuals and the entire thing and this was put into a beautiful network diagram which was presented in court and accepted as evidence in court what the DHS Leaks guys put out of the Intercept is a dribble. It's frankly very disappointing. And this is something that occurs in academia, where someone will do the deep research of the entire iceberg and someone will conceal that, delay it and release it later on, not only to take credit, but to confuse people the, about the depth of what's taking place. And I say this uh, uh, particular here, Clayton, is because in the diagram, that we put out of the entire censorship architecture that we had discovered, one of the players, one of the main players in that diagram who helped create this architecture, funded it, and was an architect of it is Pierre Omidyar. Pierre Omidyar is a billionaire who started eBay. He's also the one who funded this architecture. So let me repeat that. Pierre Omidyar, billionaire, funded a significant portion of the censorship architecture through a nonprofit that he owns called Democracy Fund. Well, guess what else? Pierre, who else Pierre Omidyar funded? He funded The Intercept. <laughs> he funded The Intercept, which has this aura of doing, you know, amazing investigative journalism. So DHS Leaks is dribble of the reality of the massive architecture and the fact that people like Pierre Omidyar create The Intercept, an organ claiming there for investigative reporting, but Pierre Omidyar is the one who Help create that censorship architecture, and these two reporters, who probably want to win the Pulitzer, have not even talked about their boss. Help create that architecture. They're t- supposedly doing DHS leaks. So I find it.
1: So there's no I mention. There's no mention of you in this intercept piece.
0: Zero, zero. And there's it's no. It's called plagiarism in academia. We would call that at minimum lack of citation. We will call it unethical. And the reason this occurs. And this occurs in, this is a process of how the mainstream media works. It's a give, they know the crime was committed. The person committing the crime also owns a reporters who will report on the crime. And you've seen this many, many times in history. So they can control the narrative and then distract people over here. Oh, The Intercept is our source. Tucker Carlson is our source. When the reality is we were the source and that content, the playbooks, the architecture, Everything has been up on the website for two years. And you can go back in 2020 and 2021, a lot of very good independent media, you know, Gateway Pundit and others covered this. And the process here that has unfolded is a process that the government actually uses, which is first they conceal the actual whole truth. They delay two years. They steal the information. They hijack it and put out a dribble. And that is what is the nuance, but the real story here. The Intercept owner, Pierre Omidyar, also is the one who funded this this censorship network.
1: Did the Intercept reach out to you at all about this story? Zero. Nothing,
0: nothing, 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 nothing. So people really need to recognize intelligence agencies are very clever at doing this. They have this process of where they own both sides of the equation. And we've seen this it's called getting ahead of the story in pr right you've seen politicians they do something horrible and then they'll say oh yeah their pr guys will get ahead of the story they release a little bit and people feel oh someone you know we have democracy in america no the reality here is that the first amendment has completely been destroyed people like pierre Diar, who owns the intercept have created the censorship infrastructure in the united states and that censorship infrastructure was unleashed on a u.s senate federal candidate in Massachusetts. And I'm very grateful that you brought that up. You put the origin. You quoted the Gateway Pundit story. It's time that independent media get its actual credit. And we recognize that most of the intelligence agencies have infiltrated American media, including organizations like The Intercept, in my view. New York Times has been written about for many, many years. What we need to understand is that this process of the whole truth, concealing it, delaying it, stealing and it, hijacking it and giving a dribble of the truth is a process, Clayton, that has historically right. occurred in many, many fields. Big academia does this to small academics. There'll be some guy in a state school who finds a major discovery. The big academics will not cover that guy. Years later, they'll write about it, never cite him. It's called plagiarism. And why do they do this? Because money is involved in this case, views, right? but more importantly, they want to hold their stature as a source of quote-unquote truth. So in this case, The Intercept, this is a big story. It wasn't uncovered by a journalist, it was uncovered by an engineer, by a US Senate candidate representing the people of Massachusetts. Now that is a bigger truth because it says that ordinary people do the hard work, not these quote-unquote journalists who do it when it's convenient for them and want to own the narrative. And again, I repeat, Pierre Omidyar, is a founder, the funder of The Intercept. Pierre Omidyar is the one who funded, through the Democracy Fund, the censorship infrastructure, which we have in courtroom documents. So, so sometimes these- that people wake up, how can you own both
1: sides? Right. And of course, we've had we've had former members of the CIA explaining that process to us on our very show, explaining, owning both sides of that story. Um, So there's a long history here. It's part of their playbook. Can you talk about these playbooks specifically? And what did you uncover the night before you had to go back and appear before this judge? Can you walk me through First of all, who were the authors specifically of this playbook infrastructure? What did it show and what were sort of the steps people could do to de-platform individuals using this playbook?
0: Yeah, great. So remember in the in the preliminary injunction, the social media director said, oh, we have this partner support portal, okay, this VIP access. And when I was getting ready for my May hearing, I couldn't find anything about the partner support portal. So I researched, researched, researched. At 12 midnight, the night before my hearing, I find a set of documents on a server in Britain written by a woman who was talking about the general counsel at Twitter, talking about this partner support portal they would created so the UK government could use it to censor UK citizens. That led me to a server at Harvard, at the Harvard Belfer School, which where I found all of these playbooks, about five of them. What do these playbooks show? What are they? Playbooks. They're actual manuals for censorship in very anodyne terms. So they call the people that they want to censor influence operators, U.S. citizens, or it could be anyone. People have influence like myself, people get a lot of tweets. By the way, I had no bots as my Twitter accounts, right? Or my followers. All my Twitter, I would do a tweet, Clayton, and I would get 30,000 retweets. OK, massive traction with 400,000 followers. So in this playbook, first of all, they say, how do you identify someone who should be surveilled? They have a methodology. One of those is someone who says politicians or state officials are corrupt. That's a red flag. This is what, what I was doing, talking about government malfeasance. So that then goes to playbook two. Playbook two literally lays out a four step process, four stages. Step one, identify those people. Step two, categorize them into severity stages. And in that categorization, they actually have a step by step method. Do they have credibility? What is their volume? Do they get traction? Per that step, they have another section in the playbook, which is how you rate them, low, medium, or high severity. I was rated as high severity. And when you're rated as high severity, you're watched once, which I was in the first time, and then you're continually watched using algorithms. Which is why when we went into court the second time, I told the judge, judge, they didn't honor your order because they didn't tell you that they have algorithms. Once I was put on their surveillance, I was keeping, I was continuing to be watched. So the playbook says you continually watch them, and then you eventually deplatform them. It's a step-by-step guide. And it's barely laid to Who were the authors? Guess who the authors were? All my defendants in my case, Twitter, the Secretary of State, and NASA, were're all saying, "Oh, we don't know each other. They're in the front page of the playbook, Clayton. Their names are right there, Twitter legal, and the defendants' <laughs> names are there in black and white. So what did the judge say when
1: you told them that all they're saying here now in front of you, your honor, that they don't know each other. In fact, they came together and authored this playbook together. Clearly, they know each other. What did the judge say to you?
0: So I held up the playbooks in my opening statement and I said, your honor, they've all lied to you. All these defendants know each other. And he was flabbergasted. Okay, this is only supposed to be a two hour hearing in May it ended up becoming a two-day hearing. The next morning the judge comes in and everyone can go explore it, any investigative journalist at The Intercept, if they're truly investigative journalists versus saying they're investigative journalists. But in those transcripts, on the second day of May, the judge said, you know, I got up at 6 a.m. and I reviewed all of Dr. Shiva's evidence. He goes, this lawsuit will be taught in every constitutional law class. Now, here, here, he's a Harvard-trained, Yale-trained lawyer appointed by Reagan. All right? So that's wow. what happened. And it's, it's an explosive lawsuit, and we did it on our own. In fact, my lawsuit was so well done, the head, the vice chairman of Wilmer and Hale, one of the number one law firms in the w- world, which represents Twitter, couldn't believe I did my own lawsuit. She, she said I had shadow counsel. That's how good my stuff was, Clayton. It wasn't like hmm. crap work. I had learned how to write briefs. So the point is, again, Tucker Carlson knew about this. Independent media was getting it out there. The mainstream media concealed it, delayed it, and purposely did nothing. What we exposed in May was the entire architecture, not just a little, this little four or five slides that the DHS leaks did. I'm talking about how the entire architecture, the portal that Twitter used, the portal that Facebook used, And it's all in those playbooks. And then in June of 2021, another 300 page report, which we also documented, gets released by Stanford, funded by the Atlantic Council, funded also by Pierre Omidyar, funded by Stanford. And that long fused report validates the playbooks. And it lays out all the players, one of them being Microsoft, which is all the the DHS leaks guys talk about, which was already in our diagram. Masterson that they talk about. So it is reprehensible. These people are not journalists. The Intercept is not the investigative journalists. That's what they want to project as Oma well, DR wants to project that. Meanwhile, he's freaking creating the censorship infrastructure
1: and Glenn, Glenn Greenwald former who founded the intercept quit um, over censorship and left right left. And, Glenn, the intercept. I, and,
0: and I, I told this to Glenn, email Glenn, because you look one of my mentors is a guy called Noam Chomsky. Mm-hmm. Okay and Noam said you should contact Glenn? Nothing from Glenn. I mean, do all these guys just wanna win awards? Do they not wanna give small guys credit? Does it have to be them? Is this what this is about? I think that's one part of it, because they wanna get all the views. But the other part of it is, we have to recognize that the intelligence agencies are running American media. And every, I mean, this has been talked about many, many times. And I think we're seeing, at least in China, Or in other countries, people say, oh yeah, the government watches us, they own it. But in America, we're taught to believe, oh, the government is here and big tech is over here. But what they've done, as we found out in the long fuse report, and in the lawsuit we brought up, they explicitly say, that the government knows that they cannot censor Americans domestically. So they wanted to fill in the gaps with non-governmental agencies. You see at the in-between right. so they could launder the censorship. Well, the Center for Internet Security, which Pierre Omidyar funded, is that NGO. Everyone should go research Pierre Omidyar, what he has done in Ukraine, what the news organizations, who is this guy? And by the way, he's the one who bought PayPal. So it's time people wake up and recognize (laughs) that the First Amendment, why my parents came here, Clayton, we were lower caste Indians. You know, you you didn't have all the rights. We came here because of the First Amendment. And the First Amendment has been destroyed. Forget about make America great again. It's about we got to win back freedom. So the bottom line is this. What I've uncovered out of all of this is that the only way that working people in this country, or for that matter, in the world are going to win is we need to build a bottoms up movement, Clayton, right? When you look at the arc of American history, it's never come top down. If you go look at the 1800s and the 1900s, it's when people awakened bottoms up independent of left or right. And we stop outsourcing our stuff be to Obama or Trump or Bernie Sanders, we have to rebuild a bottoms up movement. Hmm. And what I've done since the campaign is at truthfreedomhealth.com I've taken all that knowledge—a curriculum we've created. We've created our own social media portals for people to privately interact, and we've created a global community now, where we want to educate people to think beyond left and right. We want to educate people to think systems, and not rely on mainstream media. Build bottoms-up independent media. We have. To, this is a very adolescent way. I love it of thinking left or right, or pro or anti. It.
1: I love it. And I'll make sure we have a link to that in our show description so people can take action on that. Very, very important work that you're doing on that regard. Before I get you out of here, doctor, I want to talk about this letter that you wrote last night to Elon Musk, because at this hour, these infrastructures still exist. You know, Elon Musk talks about free speech and and getting away from censorship. And this is going to be a platform of town square where everyone has an opportunity to speak and not be deplatformed. And yet this portal that you uncovered still exists. What did you say in your letter to Elon Musk last night?
0: Well, I try to keep it brief. Uh, you know, the post I did was because I'm not on Twitter. I told people take this letter and you know tag and post Elon Musk. The letter fundamentally said, "Hey, Elon." In very two paragraphs, I said, "Look, I was deplatformed in 2020 for by the government, and then when I exposed the censorship infrastructure, I was permanently deplatformed, and I, you know, respectfully asked him to restore me because." I'm planning on running against Elizabeth Warren again. And I I directed him to winbackfreedom.com, where we have all of the details of the censorship architecture. And I also pointed out DHS leaks is dribble compared to what we discovered. So if Elon Musk, as he has stated, is committed to truly free speech, more importantly, the First Amendment, okay? Then the first thing that needs to happen is guys like me should be first put on so we can start talking about this. But more importantly, this censorship infrastructure needs to be completely destroyed. And if he's not going to do that, then he is actually supporting government. He's serving as an agent of government. Right. And that is what people need to understand. If Elon Musk is serious, then he needs to read our lawsuit, look at that architecture, and recognize his former quote-unquote colleague, Pierre Omidyar, who bought PayPal, Is a guy who set this up and the dhs leaks is frankly diversion it's dribble right
1: well we invited on the journalists from the intercept who wrote that piece Uh, they told us they were too busy one of the journalists told us they were too busy they were slammed they couldn't uh, appear on our show um and uh, the other journalist we learned uh, is sick that's what we've been told from the Intercept. So um, we'll we'll keep our audience updated if they'd like to come on and speak on on their side of the story and why they covered a portion of it and why there's no mention of you or Pierre Omedear in the in the article, in the piece. Um, it would be fascinating. Uh, Dr. Sheba, well, thank you. I think yeah, the
0: Intercept should do an investigative report on Pierre Omedear their own founder, <laughs> They you hold a big mirror up to themselves and, that and be, see what that revealed?
1: Wouldn't that be amazing? I would yeah. love to see that. Yeah, that would be amazing. Now, that would be some journalism. That would be some ballsy journalism right there. Uh, well, the, Dr- the
0: journalist, the journalist, Clayton, are you and I that, you know, when they said the freedom of the press of founders and they created systems like the Postal Service early on, it was to, it wasn't about The New York Times. It was you and I were the press right if you go back and read the founders when they in 1787 the postal service was created as a quote-unquote internet of the time so you and i could be the press and share information it's a longer discussion we can have right and but the freedom of the press was you and i to be journalists so forget tucker carlson forget the intercept they're all part of the machine and Mm -hmm. that's what the dhs leaks shows compared to what we did back in 2020.
1: Well, Dr. Shiva, we appreciate you joining us, sharing this uh, unbelievable story. And I mean, it is believable. Once you dive into the documents as I have, it's it's remarkable. So I would encourage our audience to check out. We'll have links in the description below. What's the best website for people to go and learn more?
0: So first I would recommend go to winbackfreedom.com if you wanna see all the documents. If you wanna to go to my personal website to understand my journey to systems, go to vashiva.com. And finally, what's the solution? The solution is you getting educated or being enslaved go to truthfreedomhealth.com truthfreedomhealth.com we have a course we have a community but we want to build a bottoms up movement but you have to learn the physics the science of systems which Pierre omadier knows which henry kissinger knows which condoleezza rice knows right Hmm. all these people understand it's time that everyday people have the fire of the science of systems so they can liberate themselves have the keys so three websites winbackfreedom.com va-shiva.com and truthfreedomhealth.com.
1: All right, we'll have those in the show description. Doc, great to see you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and we'll have you back real soon.
0: Thank you, Clay. Uh, I'm glad you do all the work you do with this independent journalism. Great, great work.
1: Thank you so much.